Every time I see that, I get it. Amen? It's very, very powerful. Jesus Christ really is coming back. Amen? He is. And you might say, well, how come it is that you're so certain about that? Well, I know there's, um, I don't know if it's a particular advertisement or if it's a, all these advertisements about mutual funds and about ways to make money at the stock market and all those things. Um, I more lend to the how to lose money with the stock market part. But, but anyway, but, but they, they have a little disclosure there of the gold market, the silver market. They have a disclosure at the bottom. You've got to be really quick to read it and have good eyes. But it says something like this. Um, past performance is not indicative of future performance or is not a guarantee of future performance. Y'all seen that? Now, now here's the deal. That's true with the stock market. You know, if you buy a certain stock, it could crash tomorrow. It's true with gold. Gold has reached an all-time low here recently. It's true of the silver market. But when it comes to God, future or past performance is a guarantee of future performance. What He has done in the past, He will do in the future. Just as sure as He said in Genesis chapter 3... That, that there would be a Messiah who would come and would, would wound Satan in his head, even though he himself would be crucified, so Jesus Christ is coming back. Just like, you know, he promised Abraham that he would be a great blessing to all nations. Just like he made that promise, he'll keep the promise that Jesus Christ is coming back. Jesus Christ is coming soon. Now, we wrestle with this because, you see, it's much easier to, to identify with history. Um, we understand, we look back 2,100 years ago, and really the Bible, yes, but we look back to a historical fact that on Passover 2,100 years ago, uh, Passover the death, Passover, Good Friday, Jesus Christ died. It's a historical fact. It's like, for instance, the Revolution. We look back 1776, and we know we weren't there, but we're experiencing the benefits of the American Revolution. We are free today because of that. So we look back with certainty, yes, there was a 1776. I'm here to tell you today, we can look at the same certainty and look back to the cross and look at the future and say, Jesus Christ is coming back. He who said He will come, will in fact come. He's coming back. We just, again, don't know the time or the hour. I, I use this illustration, I, I heard it, it's got to be 25 years ago now, time gets away from us so much. But I remember, this, and you've heard it before, some of you who do actually remember what I say, um, not that you don't, but, but anyway, you know, he, there's a guy coming toward a person on the sidewalk, and the person is carrying Christmas packages. Does this ring a bell? Okay, all right. So the guy's carrying Christmas packages, and the guy that's coming toward the guy carrying the Christmas packages says, oh my, Thanksgiving must be close. And the point of the illustration is this. If you're seeing signs of Christmas... And yet Thanksgiving has not occurred, it must be close. It must be in the weaning days before Thanksgiving. Well, friend, we are seeing time. Uh, we are seeing signs of the times beyond the rapture. And so we lend ourselves to believe that the rapture could be very, very soon. Are you ready? Are you ready? Andy Stanley said one time, he said, I refuse to let the unexplainable Keep me from believing the undeniable. I can't explain to you about the rapture. I know if you explain that to the world, they go, what? In fact, some Christians go, what? But I refuse to let what I cannot explain 
to keep me from believing the undeniable. And the undeniable fact is, Jesus Christ was born, Jesus Christ lived, Jesus Christ died, He was buried, He rose again on the third day, and that same Jesus Christ said, I am coming back. And I believe that He is. It's indicative of us, then, to be about the Father's business. Amen? So take your Bibles, please, and turn to Matthew chapter 24, verse number 36 and 37. Well, actually, all the way through 51. Matthew 24, 36. Now, let me, let me give you a heads up on this. Um, I, still, I knew this, and I stumbled upon it today. There are two different schools of thought out there, and it's a split decision. And tonight, we're going to take the approach that, well, I'll share with you just the approach we're going to take. But there are two, there's two different decisions or ideas about what Jesus Christ is talking about, what this time describes. The first idea is that Matthew 24 describes the time when, when we are raptured out and there's seven years of tribulation and then somewhere down toward the end of that tri- uh, tribulation period, seven years, Jesus Christ physically comes back to the earth. All right? And, and that, is, that is the end of time as we know it. And then begins the, the judgment seat of Christ for, for us in heaven and then the thousand year reign and ultimately the great white throne judgment. And some theologians believe that this is describing the time when Jesus Christ comes back at the end of the tribulation. There's others of the school of thought that says this, this scripture is dealing with the rapture that occurs prior to the tribulation. As you read this tonight, you're going to see, yeah, I can see that. And you might be able to say, yeah, I see that. But tonight, for our case, we're going to look at this as, as pre uh, rapture scriptures. All right. So in Matthew 24, 36 to 37, the Bible says this. It's something we're going to reiterate. We're going to re- reinforce what we heard this morning. Jesus is speaking and says this. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So, so the, the, the timing of Jesus Christ coming back for the church is one that only, only the Father knows. Now, the Son knows. Jesus is speaking from His humanity here. But even the angels do not know the time period that Jesus Christ is going to come back. But then He says this, verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, what we want to do is we want to do this. We instantly think, how was the world culture right before the flood? Was it saintly or sinning? Sinning. It's horrible. It's just a horrible, horrible, dark, dark time. And our tendency would be to look at that and go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Boy, America and, and the whole world is just so carnal now. It must be that. But really, as we're going to see in a moment, that's not what he's talking about. This is not a description of culture at all. But it's the normalcy of life. Look what Jesus says. Verse 38. For as in the days before the flood, it had... Now, keep in mind, it never rained on earth. Okay? It never rained. It was bone dry. And a guy named Noah spent 120 years building a boat. And the people are going, what? A what? A boat. What's a boat? Well, a boat is something that floats. And they look around, there's no oceans. And they're going... So why are you building this boat? Well, there's going to be a time of judgment. There's coming a time of flood. God's going to send a great flood. And for 120 years, Noah preached the message, repent, repent, repent. And by the way, those of you who wrestle with with results, exactly how many converts were there? There were eight. Noah's family. And probably some of them were reluctant. For 120 years. Hey, Sunday school teacher, don't get discouraged. Hey, preacher... Don't get discouraged. Hey, hey, deacon, don't get discouraged. Noah preached for 120 years without a single convert. But he was faithful and he preached. So finally, 
time was what the, the crowd didn't believe it. The crowd didn't know. But until I, I don't know if there was a clap of thunder. I don't know when the, I do know the first raindrop fell, and the Bible says that the earth opened up and the world was flooded. But Jesus says, as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. In other words, life went on. It was a normal day. I mean, I mean, John got up and went to work that day, dropped, walked by and saw old crazy Noah. Hey, Noah, you still building the boat? Yeah, I'm still building the boat. Judgment's coming. Right, Noah? And John went on to work, just like he had for year after year after year. But one day, it was different. One day, John walked by, spoke to Noah like always, but shortly after that, it began to rain. And folks, I don't know when, but it's going to be a normal day in this whole world and Jesus Christ is going to come back. Amen? Jesus is going to come back. He goes on and says this, Until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, or judgment passed upon all of them, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So what is this thing called the rapture? You know, the rapture is a unique word in that the word rapture does not occur in the Bible. Of course, the word Bible doesn't occur in the Bible. Which, by the way, I've always wanted, I've wanted to tell you this. It's so funny. You know, you know, Jonah, we always hear the word church in the Bible. And I would build my church. Did you know the word church isn't in the Greek? That's the flip side of that. The word, the word for, in, for church or for in the Greek is called out once. Actually, the word church is a German word that came in about two or three or four hundred um, A.D., later on, way past the time of Christ. But really, the word that we use for church in the Bible is simply called out ones, our gathering. And somewhere, one translator came along and said, well, we all use this German word called church. And so, hence, it made its way into our Bible, but it's not in the Greek. Well, in, in the English language, rapture's not there. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, if you want to turn there, in verse number 13, we hear what the rapture is. What is the rapture of the church? What is the taking away of the church? Well, we use this a lot of funerals, and here's what the Bible says. The, the church of Thessalonica had written and said, hey, we, we kind of wonder what's going to happen to our loved ones who have died. You know, are we going to see them again? And so Paul says this, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. And God doesn't want us to be ignorant about the rapture or the end time matters. Concerning those who also have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him. And by the way, just a freebie, that does away with soul sleep. If you think your husband or your wife, if you, if you say, are they out there sleeping in the cemetery? No, because when Jesus comes back, he's going to bring them with him. He can't bring them with him if they're laying out in sunset lawn. Isn't that cool? Good to know. See, you're not going to spend all those years under the sod. Your old body will, but not your soul and spirit. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. In other words, if we're alive when this thing called the rapture happens, we don't get to go first. I told him one day, I told him at Wanda Taylor's funeral, see, if, if you're dead when Jesus Christ comes back, you get to go first class. You get to go first. If you're alive, then you're caught up after those who are resurrected. You're getting to go coach. So if you want to go first class, you've got to die first. Okay, all right, just, just letting you know. Just laying it out for you, all right? Then the Bible says this. For the Lord Himself, will descend from heaven 
with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. That's a tremendous thing. Don't know what's going to... Listen, we can't speculate. In our movie tonight, they used to clap a thunder. We don't know. We don't know. But we do know this, that the Lord Himself would descend from heaven with a shout. He may holler, get up, or come on, children. We don't know. He'll descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead, those who have died in Christ, are going to rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be... And here's our word, our two words. Shall be caught up. Caught up. That's what rapture means, to be caught up. So we shall be caught up for, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And then he says these words. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So the word rapture means to be caught up and to taken away of the true believers of the Lord Jesus Christ out of this world. First, those who have died will become resurrected. Again, we don't know if the graves are going to open up and we're going to be able to see the graves open up. Don't know any of that. But we do know that the soul and spirit will be united with their body. They'll be resurrected and they'll go first and then we who are alive are going to be, re- be caught up together also with them. And so shall we always be with the Lord. And that's comforting. That's comforting to know that we're going to go home and be Lord. It's comforting to know this, that God's got His finger on the button. One day, again, whether it's the last soul, or whether it's the last people group, or it's the last ethnos, the last nation, whatever it is, one day, He'll turn to Jesus and say, Son, go get your children. And for the church, time as we know it, will be over. Now, that's kind of a precursor to verse 40 through 42 in Matthew 24. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. So he paints a picture again. It, again, if you ascribe to the rapture uh, translation of this, that, that there will be people taken just like you saw in the church service. Just like you saw them, some were taken and some were left behind. So shall it be. I'll tell you this. And I heard this a long time ago. Now, as a much older pastor, I believe it more than ever. The biggest Sunday that will ever be in the history of Dorsetville Baptist Church will be the Sunday after the rapture. There will be some people with their names on the big black book in the office that are still going to be here. And a lot of lost people are going to be questioning. Because again... There are going to be enough believers gone. It's going to be total. Listen, if you think the flood was a world-changing event, wait for the rapture. Across this world, communist China, thousands of underground believers gone. Over in the former Soviet bloc, millions and millions, I should have said millions for China, millions of underground believers, former believers, gone. Former Soviet bloc people, gone. And in America, we pray millions will be gone. Just like that. Some left and some will be taken. And then Jesus says this. Watch, therefore. For you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Now, how many of y'all remember this? How many of y'all had a time when your mama and daddy would leave you at home? And they would look at you and they'd say, Sarah, we're going to the grocery store. And we're going to be back in two hours. Count them, Sarah. One hour, two hours. Now, before we get back home, we want you to have your room clean. This probably really happened, didn't it? It probably did. 
we want you to have your room clean. And, and this sweet little girl would say, okay, Mommy, okay, Daddy, got it covered. Okay? So we would drive off, okay, and then Sarah would go in and watch television. And she would get engrossed in whatever she's watching, okay? And then, because she was so engrossed in something else, she didn't hear the gravel in the driveway. Or perhaps she did look at the clock, broke away from the screen, looked at the clock and said, oh, no. And about the time she got up to work, the car pulls in the driveway. Jesus says for us to watch, therefore, because you don't know. Now, I told Sarah two hours, but it may have been an hour and 45 minutes. It may have been 2.15. But the point was, she was to be waiting and watching for mom and dad to come back to give an account of what she did. And folks, let me tell you something. Jesus for, tells us to, us to watch because we don't know when he's coming back. But he's coming. And he tells us we need to be ready. Now, look at verse 43 and 44. But know this, that the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. And isn't that true? Isn't that true? Come on. You know, if you knew, if you knew tonight at 2 o'clock in the morning, all right, that a thief was going to come into your house, you know, you'd get your 38 out, all right, with your FOI card, Okay? Don't shoot anybody. Don't shoot anybody without a FOI card. You'll get in big trouble. Okay? So you get your FOI card, okay? And you'd have the lights on, all right? And you'd just be waiting there and going, okay, dude, just come, yeah, come on in here. I am ready for you. You know, you'd be ready for the thief if you knew. Trouble is, you don't know, do you? We don't know. Verse 44 says, therefore, you also be ready, though. For the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. So, how should we live? Yeah, in a state of readiness. Isn't that right? Just like, listen, how we live, we are to live as if we're expecting to come right now. I've heard it said so many times, no one wants to be doing something really stupid when Jesus Christ comes back. I mean, come on. Wouldn't you really hate for it to be the worship hour and you're out on the golf course? I mean, that would not be cool. Okay? I mean, if you're a believer. If you're a believer, we are to be ready. We're to live ready as if he's coming right now because the truth is, he could. He could. Now, here's the deal. You know, that is the response that pastors get whenever we preach this stuff. Because we all say this, well, I believe he's coming, just not today. Not just now. Some of them have said, well, there's a possibility of a flood. Just not today, and not just now. Well, do you understand one day the now will be now? And one day the day will be the day? And Jesus says, be ready. Well, what does it look like to be ready? Now, what does it look like to be ready? Well, he gives us a picture then. Verse 45 and 47. 45 through 47. He says, who then, which one of you, okay, is a faithful and wise servant? When his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season. Okay? So, so the picture is, which one of you has your master looked at and said, now, watch this, watch, watch, from this morning. I want you to do business until I come back. I want you to do my business until you come back. Which one of you would be the one where the master says, I want you to stay here and do business? Blessed is that servant, verse 46, whom his master, when he comes, 
will find so doing. Jesus says it's a blessing that if when he comes, you're doing exactly what he left you here to do. Now, I need to tell you something. Y'all think I harp on this, but I'm telling you it's important. You know, Judy just said, we need you to work and back to school. Okay? When Jesus left us here to do his business, it was not just to fill a few. It was not just to do our thing three times a week. The business of the church here is learning the Word of God and worshiping Holy God. But that continues outside these doors. Whether it be back to school, whether it be sunny in the park, whether it be sharing with your neighbor, whether it be down 500 feet underground like Todd, sharing the Lord Jesus Christ, however it is. Doing business means doing what God has left you to do, not just necessarily filling the pew. If God, if, you know, if God had nothing for us to do, He'd have killed us and taken us home as soon as we were saved. But we're part of a mission, guys. We're part of being the voice that tells the world about Jesus Christ. Now, he goes on and says this. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. There's some kind of reward that when we are faithful and the master comes and finds us being faithful, there's some kind of reward in heaven. We talk about casting crowns and all those different things. Yeah, okay. I know there are crowns, there's soul winners' crowns, there's the pastor's crown, there's different crowns that we can win. But, but in God's economy, there's some kind of reward in this place called heaven. And I don't think there's one for just going to church. I mean, can you imagine lying up behind Stephen? I mean, you know, if you could see still the, the, the stone marks, and, and you know, Stephen was the first martyr, and they stoned him because he preached the truth about Jesus. Can you imagine being in the reward line behind? Your name's happened to be Stephen also, and you're behind line. And you look at this guy, and he says, what would you do? Oh, well, I got, I'm the first martyr. I'm, my name is Stephen. I got stoned, you know, for Jesus. You know, I, I was stoned. What would you do? Went to church. Went to church. See, when it comes time at the judgment seat of Christ to stand before Christ... What are you going to be able to say? I don't know, but, but what will he say? Be ready. Be doing the business. Now, now let, me, let me do a time out here. You know, for some of us, it's very feasible that for us, some of us, we'll see the rapture. I heard John MacArthur teaching the Word of God. And he said, now John's probably 72 or 3. He said, I still believe that it could be within my lifetime that Jesus comes back. He honestly believes that. So for some of us, especially some of the younger children, maybe, hey, maybe me, what am I saying? It could be any time. There's nothing on God's calendar. We may see the rapture. But whether rapture or whether death, the end is near. And when, when either the rapture happens or death comes, the time for doing business is over. We have a certain amount of time with a certain amount of resources and time to do God's work. What are we going to do with that time and those resources to hear that well done, good and faithful servant? So he says you're going to be blessed if when Jesus comes back, then you've been found faithful. Verse 48 to 51 are hard. Are hard. He says, but if. That evil servant says in his heart, 
My master is delaying his coming. And begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards. That's still a little time out there. still a pause. Jump back up there in verse number 45 through 47. Whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season. Drop back down to 48 through 51. My master's delaying his, his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants to eat, drink, and with the drunkards. Do you see what's involved there, at least partially? People. People. God looks at one servant and says, take care of people. He looks at the other servant and says, take care of people. One does take care of people. One abuses people. One, the one who abuses people, doesn't share the good news. Doesn't care. Doesn't show compassion on people. This one does. It's a great hallmark of a believer. It's how we treat other people. It's a birthmark of how we treat other people. So, so this guy, you know, one, he says, you know, Jesus is coming, maybe. You know, my master's coming, but, but just not today. And so he delays the coming. And he treats and lives horribly. Isn't that sad? But isn't that true? Aren't there people who claim to be believers and they live horribly? I mean, you know, I do funerals and, and I find myself sometimes grasping at straws. I, I, I literally rejoice in my heart when, when one, of my, one of you die and, and I know, I just know that you're a believer. It's a thrill to the service of a person you just know they know Christ. And so hard. When, yeah, when he was seven, he paid a prayer in Bible school and we haven't seen much evidence. And I'll do my job and I'll get him claim grace for you. But please understand, it is not what I say that matters. It is what Jesus says to you when you see Him face to face. That's what matters. Well, verse 50, The master of the servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, an hour that he is not aware, and will cut him in two and appoint his portion with the hypocrites. There will be weeping and gnashing Now, this could be a description of a a believer who totally blew it here on earth. And again, I I told people, y'all come on Wednesday nights. You really should. We we have some really good discussions on Wednesday nights. But, you know, the great, uh, excuse me, the judgment seat of Christ, which is for believers, where the penalty of my sin will not be the topic, but the stewardship of my life is. And we we somehow got this idea that Jesus is going to go, oh, y'all did so good and pass on the head. There's an accountability time, guys. You know, you know, Jesus is a wise steward and wants us to be wise stewards. And, and it won't be, it won't, I don't think it's described as this unless you're talking about emotionally. I don't think so. But here's the scary part. And this should give us great pause. What if what we read in 48 through 51 just reveals the true character and destiny of a person who says, I prayed a prayer when I was a seven, but I never lived it. You know, there's a time of separation. You know, the, the sheep and the goats concept. That Jesus Christ knows who is really His. And again, I'll go back this morning. Are you prepared? Are you certain today that Jesus will come back? Or, if death was come knocking, do you know that you know that you know Jesus Christ is Savior? You're not based on a giant scale. You're not based on how much money you give to the church. You're not based on performance at all. You know it is by God's amazing grace. And that grace has been applied to your life. You know that you know that you know. If you can't say that, 
then tonight's the night to nail that down. Tonight's the night. If you know that, if you know that, then 48 through 51 should give you no pause. We do not have to fear death, nor do we have to fear Jesus Christ if we know Him personally. Amen? Amen? Do you know Him today? So, to close the day out, the encouragement is this. Let's live as if Jesus Christ could come today. And let's look beyond 10, 15, 6, and 6. That's Sunday morning worship, Sunday night worship, and Wednesday night. Let's take our worship outside these doors and be busy ministering the kingdom when Jesus comes back. Because He who said, I'm coming, is coming soon. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this good day You've given us. Father, would You help us as strongly as we believe in the cross, which looks back, would we just as strongly believe and live and be ready for the second coming, the Lord Jesus Christ, the rapture of His church? May we with confidence live. May it motivate us and drive us to live holy, holy lives. May it drive us and motivate us to do everything we can to bring people into the family of God. May it make us, drive us, to make that a high priority in our lives. Father, may we as a corporate group of believers, and may we individually be doing your business when you come back. May we be found faithful. And Father, you know, and I say this for the sake of my brothers and sisters, you know and many of them know my testimony. For 21 long years, I was in the church. Very, very, very much a religious person, but without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And had you chosen to come back, before that time, I would have been totally separated from you in a place called hell. Father, I pray that each one of us tonight will make absolutely certain that we know you as personal Savior. And then, may we face the future with total confidence. Thank you, Jesus, for being our Savior, our King, our soon-coming King. And we give you honor and glory. And Jesus, I pray this in your name. Amen.